hey everyone ever and really oh, you know you're gonna laugh at that i'm sorry that was very dour i wasn't expecting it to be dour. what's well, a dour topic no that i know but, but we've been we've been laughing up until this laughing point. it up till this point and then i guess i was bringing it down <laughs> yeah All i right. brought it way down without any indication that that's the direction we were going with the intro but but now that i know i'll be prepared prepared if you want to try do it, it again? again yeah I'll try it again Hey everyone ever. See now I now I don't remember what the next line is. I thought it was fine because it's it's a grave situation I'm sorry, but it's just I was not I mean, it was like the least uh possible thing I was expecting uh, the least at the possible opening. thing. Yeah, well is I that, mean is that a sentence? The least possible tone uh, that that you would open with after having made some really um funny comments. Quite up good. to this point, yeah. we've been we've been having a laugh a riot here, a Tim. Riot, an old an old time riot. But and then then I opened up and killed the room. Is what you're saying? Well, yeah, I infected the room. Maybe with, uh, uh, that's about right. All right, but I well, guess that's the point. So yeah, do, I'm I'm ready now. I won't. Yeah. I won't break. I won't break. Won't break. I'm. I hope. All right. I'm. I mean, I don't. I'll I'll try it again. All right. Now, see, now I'm teetering on, do I do it really big? And that's funny. <laughs> or do I do what I've been doing and then yeah. feel self-conscious? I had to bite like, my finger because your your paws got longer and longer. And so I, mm. I couldn't hold it in. So you put your finger in your mouth. I did. I, and I you bit hard. You bit your finger. Okay. I touched it to my face and, and to my tongue and to my teeth. You should sanitary wipe those. I should. With the sanitary napkin. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Pop, the show where we try to understand the present uh, while living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins. And I am Bob Canning. And Tim, Mm -hmm. we're starting this off with a little dark tone, aren't we, sir? I think that's appropriate. I mean, I think we started with a lot of false starts and then got to the dark tone, but but yeah, I think these are, it's, it's... it's grim, I think. And I know you and it I have been talking be. prior to starting this, but it's, it's, it's a pretty grim world we're living in. And I don't know how much of that we should uh, um, you know, pass through the mic here. Because, I don't know, people come to... Po- Are you still listening to podcasts, still watching TV? Is that something you're doing as a distraction? Uh, yeah, TV is a, is a big distraction. <clears throat> um, trying to distract... Um, when so it's I'm, a distraction that's tr- trying to distract. So in essence, it's putting you right back on track. Yeah, uh, I guess that's how that that math would work. Sure. No. Um. I don't know. Like I'm trying to be as normal as possible. Um. And I don't think we've actually talked about why we're doing this. But I'm, everyone who's listening at this stage, yeah, I imagine knows. That most of the listeners are going to know. Yeah. <laughs> that we're in, but in case in what... perhaps they're coming to this, you know, a year later. Hmm. Well, little, I, hope, I hope they can. A little pod capsule of, of our, our time here in March to tw- 2020. There's a <clears> bit <throat> of a pandemic kind of sweeping uh, the world. A lot of people staying home. A lot of people yeah. choosing not to go out. A lot of the word quarantine kind of being bandied around. And, and it's it's worldwide. This is nationwide, worldwide. And, worldwide. I mean, 
And so I guess, yeah, part of me is wondering, do we acknowledge that on the podcast? Are these forms of escapism? But also, is escapism something that even works right now? Is that something that kind of like, are you finding you can drone some of it out? You were just saying with like TV and stuff when you go to that? <clears throat> yeah, I can. I can. Um, and it's just, just the normal routine. Just sticking to the as normal as possible. Uh, so like, I really don't get TV time, as we call it in the, this family's household. Uh, until the kids are in bed. The kids have TV time. Um, we call during... it a boob tube brahaha. <laughs> Is that boob what you call it? Boob tube brahaha? Yeah. yeah that's that'll work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like um, I've been trying to avoid, although, you know, you can't, but trying to avoid constant, constant, constant news on this pandemic, on this COVID-19. Um, but you also want to be informed. You want to know what's going on. So you check in and it's just hard to get away from. So, yeah, I will turn to uh, some pop culture entertainment to try and uh, forget what's happening for a short amount of time. Well, I hope this isn't one of the pieces of pop culture entertainment you turn to because today's topic, <laughs> dun, dun, today's dun. topic, I think, is coming out of a little bit of what's going on right now, a little bit of a feeling. I mean, I'll be honest, there's this sort of apocalyptic feel to everything going on right now. There's sort of this almost cinematic end times mentality that this is this is a big ordeal this is a massive change to society this is the viral outbreak or 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 the 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 alien spore or the artificial intelligence this is something that is infecting us beyond our expectations controls on such a wide you know uh wide playing field that life will never be the same again that's kind of the it feels the, like that it feels like that of course i gotta it hope that's like not that. entirely true that it it won't never be the same again i know that's grammatically incorrect but um yeah that that's but that in this moment in this time right now it's hard to imagine anything being normal again it's strange it's hard to imagine. It's almost like how, what, you know, what do we have a, as a basis to imagine that? Because I, to me, I feel like thinking things will just go right back to normal is kind of being blind to what's going on. It's a way of silencing uh, a lot of the, the horrors that are occurring, but also the, the, the outcome of something like this, this scope, this scale, this size has only really been for me reflected in pop culture. You know, there's comic books, there's novels, there's movies, there's even songs that kind of touch on this this feel of a global threat and the change of a global threat. And, and honestly, a lot of that entertainment doesn't really necessarily turn out for the best. Right. You know, why, why, why would it? And I think because of that, that kind of prompted me today to think like, what we could look at maybe, or maybe, you know, approach are sort of some of these pop culture apocalypses, kind of things from the entertainment of our youth, be they movies, again, comic books, whatever, that touched on these ideas of an end-of-the-world scenario or a mass change to society, or the word that I keep throwing around, an apocalypse. I mean, does that kind of ring with you? Does that make sense to you as like a topic? It does. It does. And in fact, um, before this really escalated about two weeks ago, um, and it was just bubbling up, you know, with news out of China. Um, I think you and I joked about the movie Outbreak. And I thought about watching uh, uh, the movie Contagion. Um, and it just was like, this has just felt like what I should be turning to is this pop culture apocalypse type stuff that we would watch. Um, now that I'm more 
in the midst of it and it's so much more real and happening um the thought of watching one of those things uh turned me off in fact my wife and I um, watched the trailer for Contagion to see if we wanted to watch it one night. And just the trailer alone had so many um, moments that are actually kind of happening right now. We were both like, nope, that's not escapism. That's right where we are. I don't want to watch this. So it's strange how it's like before it became real, it was something I enjoyed. It's like, let's watch this. The outbreak might be can't be fun. And now it's like, I just want to stay away from it. Well, Outbreak's the example I remember. I don't know Contagion. You keep mentioning that. That's a that's, that's a more a... recent twenty uh, first century film. Okay, yeah, I, I don't know that, but I, I know Outbreak. It was a mid nineties movie, but in the nineties, Outbreak was also sort of a cautionary tale, sort of a warning warning of things that could happen. I think there was a book out at the time called The Hot Zone that might I'm going to get my facts wrong here, but I think it was about the spread of Ebola and viruses like that. And movies that attempt to siphon or or approach or deal with these bigger ideas of, yeah, of disease and destruction have always been attractive to me. And they are attractive right now, too, because they're a way of toying, testing, and experiencing these feelings, you know, in the past without having to go through. But right now, it's, it is, it's, I still think it's a safe way of kind of testing out these feelings. Like, I'm not going to sit down and watch Outbreak because I don't want to sit down and watch Justin Hoffman in a hazmat suit. But there are plenty of things, that's the other side of it too, plenty of things I'm watching are are kind of like you're saying with this Contagion trailer, are, are, are kind of coming to the surface where I am seeing and hearing little things that remind me of the now. I'm not escaping from it. You know, it's, I'm very much in the moment in these little mentions of a character with a cough or, or something with the CDC or disease, you know, all these little buzzwords and, and little plot points they come to the surface and they have a different weight yeah but i think that's good i think that's 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 powerful fiction that's powerful pop culture and i think that's necessary because we don't i don't know if we should be trying to escape what's going on right now we want to distract ourselves because we can't think about it 24 hours a day so maybe there is lighter fare to find out there thanks netflix for taking friends away but there's other shows one could seek out at least the first two episodes of Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place on YouTube. I'm watching New Girl, if that matters. I know that's not 20th century, but that's that's what we've been streaming. All right, and you've got that, so good for you. Um, I've always been drawn to pop culture that deals with horrible futures, horrible apocalypses, because that's what most of them are. They set it enough in the future that we haven't quite reached it yet. So you can kind of play around with it with this anticipation of coming up to it. So yeah, today we're going to, we're coming to the show with some examples of this, some things from childhood or maybe young adulthood, you know, past century that deals with a variation or a view of global apocalyptic themes in like a comic book or a film. Do you have a, do you want to start off? Do you have an example you want to bring up? Uh, sure. I will start off. Um, so the, the movie that I'm going to talk about is the Terry Gilliam directed 12 monkeys. What year is this? What year do you think it is? 1996. That's the future, James. Do you think you're living in the future? I'm simply trying to gather information to help the people in the present trace the path of the virus. We're not in the present now. This is a place for crazy people. I'm not saying you're not mentally ill. For all I know, you're <laughs> crazy as a loon. 
The army of the 12 monkeys, they're the ones that spread the virus. Monkeys? He's been living in a meticulously constructed fantasy world, and that world is starting to disintegrate. You haven't become addicted to that dying world? No, sir. He needs help. You think I'm crazy when people start dying next month? I don't belong here. You're here because of the system. I know some things that you don't know. Yes, my son. You sent me to the wrong year. You're certain of that? Science ain't an exact science. You had a bullet from World War One in your leg, James. How did it get there? I don't know. You're a trained psychiatrist. You know the difference between what's real and what's not. You said that I had delusions. You said you could explain. I'm trying to. I want the future to be unknown. I can help you. Get you out. Monkeys. The thing mutates, we live underground! They're watching you. I just want to do my part to get us back on top in charge of the planet. So basically, 12 Monkeys is uh, takes place in the future where a virus has basically wiped out most of civilization. Um, there are some people that have survived, and at, at some point along the, the path, they've uh, developed time travel, and there are... Uh, a government type organization or some scientists that are selecting, I don't know if they're prisoners or, or people who were survivors. I can't remember the, the exact details, but they're sending certain people back in time to try and find the, the source of this virus so they can find a cure for it and maybe um, come back. I guess they're all living underground now. And so they want to come back. And so the movie is about um, a character named James Cole who gets set back in time. He is portrayed by um, Luke Talking's twos, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, yes. So he goes back in time, and there's a couple things that happen. Um, but he eventually hits back in time and, and stays back in time, and uh, tries to warn people. Uh, they think he's crazy. He's put in an insane asylum. He befriends a doctor who starts to believe him, or at least wants to help him. And the reason I bring this movie up for this discussion is because I feel like we are in the flashback of 12 Monkeys right now. Like I, That's where my mind often goes with the news reports and, and what I'm reading online and, and just how it started, you know, back in December, I think, where we first started hearing of it and it slowly is escalating um, and then you know, different rules have to be put in place and all this stuff is happening. You don't see that in 12 Monkeys. You see the oblivious people walking around, not knowing what the future holds. We've already seen the future in the movie. We see that they're living underground, that 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 they're trying to send people back, and, and they're kind of tearing people's brains apart because that's part of what happens with the with the time travel. They're putting people in danger to try and solve this this uh, this puzzle, this virus puzzle. And for me, I just keep having these images as I'm going through my day that we're living in that flashback that we're living in that time before it all just falls apart the apocalypse that you're talking about and that just is kind of scary to me it's just weird to have that feeling because i know this movie really well and 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 uh i've seen it a lot i haven't seen it a lot recently i unfortunately didn't have a chance to watch it before this podcast as i wanted to but um that's the eerie feeling i have right now that we're just one bruce willis away from from uh the end of the world. We're just one the whole 10 yards Bruce Willis away from the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. 
do you think the idea of 12 monkeys the movie is is informing your feelings right now or you just think that your feelings are reflected by the movie no i think they're informing my feelings you know i've i've had that pop culture experience i i know the beats of the movie and i know the beats of this type of story um i know it wasn't from the 20th century so forgive me for mentioning it but i i i've always enjoyed the the planet of the apes uh remake the first one with james franco they have that interesting through line. I don't know if you've seen that. I have uh, not, no. You know, you see a newspaper article about these astronauts uh, taking off, and then you see news reports about them losing contact with the astronauts. It's just this background thing, you know? Um, and so it's just kind of an interesting, you know, as a viewer and having a historical reference with the previous um, uh, Planet of the Apes movie, you know what that is. You know that those are the astronauts that will eventually come back to Earth and the planet will be overrun uh, with with apes. Damn dirty um, apes. Yeah, but it's just, it's so subtle. It's a neat little subtle thing that they throw in there. And I feel like, I'm, I'm feeling those beats. I'm feeling just these subtle things that are happening. A subtle reference to to this disease and, and this virus. And a subtle reference to, you know, how children maybe aren't as affected. And then in my head, I go to, it's like, okay, our apocalypse, our future, our real timeline here is going to be wiping out anyone over 24 and our planet is just always children until they get old enough that the virus affects them and then they die off and and so i'm having these types of movie pop culture type visuals of of what's going on and i wonder if that's what informs some of these versions of the apocalypse as being entertaining because the the movies then the, the 12 monkeys itself the part we're not seeing is this part, right? Like he travels back to before, if I remember, there's a vial of something that gets released or something, yeah. I don't know. But there's a- Right at the end of the movie. What a lot of these movies and, and versions of pop culture aren't showing you is the actual event. It's a before and after kind of picture. You know, I'm thinking of like in The Terminator, that's set before the nuclear apocalypse. We see a- um, we see a daydream of the apocalypse happening, but our main reference is the future war and the present day. And the actual event is kind of almost what they're, they're cautionary tales. We have to stop it. Uh, is it James Cole, John Cole? What's the James, name of James, James, Cole. James Cole comes back in time to try to stop it. So there is this idea of with all that happening and following that story, the world at large is unaware of it. The world at large doesn't know it's going to happen in the world at large. I mean, that's scary to live in that sort of naive sensibility. Right. And for you to now be feeling like we're kind of, that we just went through that and now we're in this part. Yeah. That's unnerving. It's, it's very unnerving. And it, yeah, it's, it's where my mind kind of gravitates to. It's, it's, it's hard. Cause it's like, I'm trying to approach it in a realistic manner, but I've, I've seen this movie. I've, I've experienced a lot of this type of pop culture. And so my mind likes to wander um, and it's hard to control it, and it just kind of develops these little movie scenarios that we might be leading to. Now, so do you think those scenarios are irrational? Um, no, I think they're irrational. I'm, but I don't know. <laughs> like, I want them to be irrational. I think that's what I'm thinking. I want this to be able to be controlled and and and, and taken care of. I want all the things that people are saying is going to help it to happen. I want the sun to come out and to the heat to, to burn the virus away. I want, you know, all those things to happen. Cause I really just want to get back to a little bit of normalcy. Um, and I certainly don't want uh, a 12 monkeys future ahead of us. 
Yeah. But do you think there is one? Do you think that's what this I is? I can't rationally believe that there is one. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if you were younger, and this might be hard to say because you, you have to do some play acting, if what's going on right now was happening to you, say, what were we, 20 when 12 Monkeys came out? Uh-huh. If this was happening when you were 20, do you think your perception might be a little different? Do you think, oh, this movie's prophetic, oh, this is, could happen? Or do you think it's still, because it's entertainment, it makes the outcome less likely? Um, I don't know. That is a hard, you're right. It's hard to kind of put myself in that situation. I probably, because this is what I was want to do at that age, I probably would be more apt to say it was prophetic and just kind of buy into the coming apocalypse. Just because I think at that time, that's just kind of who I, I was. It was like, it was more entertaining to go that route than to try to be the rational human. Now, was the fear with the apocalypse ever, I'm not going to make it through this? Or was the fear kind of like the world's going to collapse and then I'm going to be in the post-apocalyptic world? Because I think there's a, there's a middle part to that narrative. Um, and maybe they talk about that. Let me bring up one of the... I, there, was a, there was a movie that I was thinking about this weekend and actually ended up watching on uh, uh, on Monday, so yesterday, in preparation for the show, um, that I think kind of deals with a little bit of this idea of being 20 and kind of perceiving something. Are you familiar with the movie Night of the Comet? Uh, by name only. What, what do you know about it? Just the name? That's yeah, just that there is a movie entitled Night of the Comet. Yeah, it's a 1984 kind of like a it's a horror movie. I think um, it, it, it's it takes place um, in California. And it takes place on the eve of uh, Earth passing through this tale of a comet, the one from the title. This comet that there's this narration at the beginning passes through the galaxy once every three thousand years or something. And it's this kind of thing where where you know it's a countdown to it approaching. The world is excited for it. I think it's around Christmas season. It's not quite Christmas Eve, but it's around that time of year. So as the movie opens, the idea is that we know the comet's coming. We know the Earth is going to pass through it, and everybody is outside. You know, like a New Year's celebration, waiting for it. We have to see the comet, and they're all in their excess with their clothes and their and their their fancy parties, and just standing there, all staring at the night sky, waiting for this to happen. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be one of the last people on Earth? We're talking ghost town! Who would you see? There's nobody. I mean, there's nobody. What would you do? Hey, I'm sorry if the end of the world makes me a little nervous. Where would you go? The stars are up ahead! Well, get ready to find out, because the comet is coming into your orbit. The legal drinking age is now 10, but... You will need ID. Let's be real. It's the night of the comet. What do you give me if I come back? Texas. Night of the comet. I'll be taking requests from all you teenage comet zombies. The night the teenagers ruled the world. Yeah! Night of the comet. The garden of civilization is on us. Fiction, isn't it? The story, what we're actually doing, we're following two characters, two pretty amazing, actually, movie characters, if you get a chance to see the movie. Um, One whose name is Regina, who's a 20-year-old who works as a uh, theater usher at the local movie theater. And she has a a younger sister uh, by the name of, and I'm missing my notes here, I should have been more prepared, I'm sorry. (sighs) I'm so disappointed in you. I know. 
uh, Samantha, her younger sister. Um, they live together in a house. And at the night of the coming comet, Regina has to work. She works at this movie theater. Um, and we see her there. And we see that she kind of goes into the projection room. And there's a guy there. And they end up making out and having sex and spending the night in the lead-lined projector room. And Samantha, who had snuck out of her house to go to a party came home early from the party and just kind of fell asleep in a storage shed is her story you find out later on and i mentioned both of these things because what happens is neither one of them gets to witness the comets passing neither one of them is part of the big crowds the big masses of the world that went out to face this thing and what they find out the next day as 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 uh as regina leaves the movie theater in the morning you know getting ready to head home is that when she steps outside the world is silent it's strangely foggy looking strangely colored like a vaporwave picture there's nobody around but there are everywhere she looks there's piles of clothes and this weird sort of orange dust kind of splintering out of the clothes she makes it home and she finds samantha and samantha relates to her how she slept over in the shed and basically what they find out is that the night before and they, they piece this together pretty quick they're smart enough kids but when the earth passed through the comet everyone who was outside exposed the sort of the tail of the comet was disintegrated into this weird kind of dust powder. And they're there that's it's millions of lives gone and that they might be the last two people uh, on the planet. What's amazing about this story is that they're kind of okay with it. The idea is that the apocalypse happened around these two kids and we're following them. So without spoiling it, um, is it a happy ending for them? I th- I think it's happy enough. I mean I think I mean, it sounds like it's almost uh, a utopian fantasy. I mean, I don't know if uh, it's not utopian. It's it's a it's a struggle to get through. But I mean, the movie's got a tone like Buckaroo Banzai or or, or like um, girls just want to have fun. Um, it's it's got a comical tone to it. But I think it's depicting that life still goes on. You know, these these two kids are not thrown by what happened. They're survivors. And they have the burden kind of a civilization on their shoulders and they're living life again or continuing to live life you know on the planet that's the thing they don't slow down yeah you know like in star wars where luke's parents or adopted parents on and uncle get burnt alive and that should probably shake him up but he's just like no i'm gonna go on this space adventure that's the (laughs) same kind of mentality it's like the realistic story i guess would be mourning but like there's something valiant in pursuing pursuing the narrative pursuing the movie having not seen it 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 seems to have a different vibe than a lot of other movies where a lot of civilization gets wiped out, where the survivors end up fighting each other, becoming just crazed people who who are constantly at war with each other. Something about Night of the Comet that I think is important in a lot of the literature I turn to about the apocalypse that that that, that makes it bearable is that the characters are continu- continuing on. You know, I'm not talking that they're the freedom fighters of like the Terminator movies, you know, or the cult, stoic, whatever that is. I mean, these are people who are still trying to make their life work. They're not thrown. They're blind to. They're probably deluding themselves if this was a real world film. But they're, they're, they're finding that they can still cope with the bizarreness of such a tragic event like there's no way to be prepared for something like that just like there's no way to be prepared really to to to, to as a as a civilian or whatever we are to, to kind of process what's going on in the world right now having the world end around a character like that and then following the character forward gives a sense of hope right it gives a sense of drive like i like that 
in a, a piece of uh, pop culture uh, bubblegum fantasy, really. I mean, because, yeah, it's, it's a hokey movie. It's a fun movie. It's a, it's a joke of a movie. But inherently, watching it as the world possibly burns around us, one could find in it a little bit of comfort that, well, you, you know, you'll get by. You'll push your way through. You'll make life as normal again. I mean, is that something? Is that a theme you find coming up at all in any of the the, the work that you're talking about? Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, you, you. I mean, a lot of it is like what you're saying about the Terminator is like the the freedom fighters or or whatever, like fighting back on the thing that took away uh, civilization. I think of like the Matrix um, and and them fighting back against the machines. That's not um, comforting, though, is it? Because that's, that's no, it's that's not. A- it's not comforting. Um, because it is, it's dark and dismal. And then you've got, and, and I'll be honest, I haven't seen um, recently any of the early Mad Max movies, but I believe that's got a similar vibe. Um, and then you can have something um, like Waterworld. That was the other one that popped up. Waterworld and also Kevin really? Costner's other apocalyptic uh, film, The Postman. <laughs> Well, Those you were two. the one who saw The Postman. You and I were the ones who saw Waterworld. What, yeah. uh, what about Waterworld is... Is is kind of what? Why did that one get you? Well, well I mean, it just it just um, the fact that Kevin Costner has these two um, post apocalyptic films in his repertoire um, <laughs> has always kind of stuck with me. I remember when it when when they came out. Um, I, I, it's just you know I, one one aspect that we were thinking about. Um, I don't know if we're really playing it up here, but we were talking about um, one of the angles, and it's like, well, if I had to pick an apocalyptic, uh, post-apocalyptic world, where would I live? And I went back to Waterworld a couple times thinking about that, because um, if you can if you can put yourself a sweet boat together, you're you're pretty much set, I guess. You know, when the elders say so, you can leave. And not before. Is there, what's the apocalypse in Waterworld? What you know, it's been, world I've only events? seen it the one time, and maybe I've seen some clips of it here and there, um, but uh, I'm not exactly sure what happens, uh, why it happens, but essentially the world loses all of its land. It's just all water everywhere. It's global warming, I assume. I that's assume, the, yeah, that, what, that'd what be occurs. my guess. So it's realistic, it's a realistic yeah. uh, portrayal. But that that world doesn't seem threatening? I mean, there are threats. Mm-hmm. But I, I was kind of playing through, you know, just off the top of my head, you know, the different movies. I don't think I'd really want to have to live in the Mad Max world. I don't want to live in the Matrix world. Um, I don't like the future of 12 Monkeys, what that was showing me. And so and so it was either Waterworld, you know, which you can kind of spread yourself out and, and, and maybe kind of be on your own and left alone by uh, the tyrants on the, the oil tankers um, or the Postman, which is just. I don't even know how it gets to this point because I've never actually seen all of the Postman. I've seen bits and things here, um, but basically, it just looks like uh, American wilderness that you're that you're living in, and people seem to be getting by okay. In the future, after the Great War, our civilization lies in ruin. Government does not exist. 
technology has been erased and everything man remembers is gone. Out of the chaos, a lawless army will arise to prey on the few survivors. But to a people who have lost their hope. You are a dangerous man. I can see it in your eyes. He will give them courage. I have a feeling about you. He will restore their memories of the past. It's the individual that counts. These people don't need dreams. They need help. Are you going to bring them that? I want him bound. I want him dealt with. He will unite them. You have a gift, Postman. With a message of freedom. I challenge the leadership of the clan. You want a war? I'll give you... Kevin Costner, Academy Award-winning director of Dances with Wolves, brings you an epic new vision of our future. There's gonna be new laws! There's gonna be peace! Yeah, it's interesting that both of those movies are... I mean, I guess a, a massive change has wiped through the world, but you're, you're right. People are, are surviving day by day. People are moving around. I guess I would wonder, you're talking about The Matrix... Which are you talking about the world in the matrix? Or are you talking about the world outside of the grimy, drippy world with all the tubes they have to plug into them? Um, I'm talking about the the real world where you're okay, awake. Yeah, you're so awake from the matrix. That is unnerving. Because I was going to yeah. say the the world in the computer there there's there's some solace or safety net. It's replicating familiar rhythms. But Waterworld and the Postman societies exist there. I mean, Waterworld could just as well be a pirate movie on a on a different planet, right? Right, you know, exactly. Water world. So I, I, I know it ties into, and I think some time has passed. That's the other thing. And my assumption is some time has passed in Water World since the events that crumbled cities and things like that. But they're they're brighter movies. They're cheerier movies. You talk about the the future of Twelve Monkeys, which I, if I'm remembering right, and, and spoilers for Twelve Monkeys, it it ends a little. I guess the ending is 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 open and to interpretation. It I feel like it ends that the loop is closed, and that the apocalypse is going to happen again. I know there's another way of looking at it that people have told me, but I feel like Twelve Monkeys is horrifying because I feel like his actions to prevent it are part of what causes it, meaning it's a fixed a fixed destiny. Right. Yep. That's how I've always um, seen Twelve Monkeys. And that's not a future we want to work to, even though we are seeing that some humans have survived past it. Yeah. The Transformers will return after these messages. Hey, everyone, ever. This is Tim Blevins, co-host of 20th Century Pop. And I wanted to talk to you for a minute uh, about a band. Which band? Uh, How about that one band? Uh, that specific band, that only band that matters. I'm talking about Westerberg, Stinson, Mars, uh, Dunlap, straight out of Twin Tone and not at all Soul Asylum. It's The Replacements, the most impactive band of my existence. And starting this April, I'm streaming a five-day-a-week deep dive into figuring out uh, why. It's every studio album in original order and one track at a time. That means talent show. That means color me impressed. That probably means Gary's got a boner. The show is called What's That Song? And you can hear the sincerity of it all when it debuts April 20th on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, 
Spotify, and probably some other podcast catcher, visit the Nana Hologram homepage at nahpods.com and click on the link to uh, subscribe from the very beginning. I'm becoming that person who talks about music uh, all the time. And you can listen every day, except for the weekends, uh, to What's That Song, premiering April 20th at nahpods.com. Not a hologram, it's a podcast. We now return to the Transformers. One of the first pieces, I think, of one of the first future apocalypses, apocalypses, I keep saying it, I keep saying that wrong, um, that I think really ingrained itself in me, that really kind of took hold. I think it's because it permeated so much of an ongoing storyline, was the uh, Days of Future Past storyline from Chris Claremont's 17th year run on uncanny x-men did you read uncanny x-men a bit i know we lived together i don't know if you ever read it as a comic series um i read it uh when i lived with you i i can't recall i mean i read i i was reading old i thought it was older things you were giving me the 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 books to read and uh, i can't quite remember what the run was or what the storylines were i don't think it was that the one part that i do remember is that um oh shit his name escapes me now uh the guy that can turn to metal colossus colossus um basically kind of befriended and worked with magneto uh during the storyline that i was uh reading and i think i was also when wolverine had the adamantium removed from him and he was just bones Oh, yeah, I think that was, I think that's the fatal attraction arc, like his body reheals as bones. But this idea of the days of future past, um, it was really just two issues, issues 141 and 142, that kind of told the story. And they came out in 1980, so I didn't even really actually read them when they came out. But as a storyline, I think it was a continual, continually referenced concept in the ongoing storyline, even through today, I think. The story as it's told in the two issues splits itself between the modern day, which at that point was 1980, um, and a future date of 2013. People are afraid. They want action. They want protection. They want revenge. The mutant control law is passed, calling for an army of sentinels. They march over the nation, seeking out mutants, hunting them down like animals. Surrender, mutants. Some fight back. But not for long. The Sentinels herd the surviving mutants into detention camps. The camps are your final stop. You never leave. Never! But those who control the Sentinels don't stop with mutants. Eventually, they bring their new world order to all humans. The rest of the world's nation, for some reason, isn't necessarily directly occupied by Sentinels, but they have been monitoring the situation from, from, like, from a distance. And as the story in 2013 that we're reading begins, the rest of the nation is preparing to launch an all-out nuclear assault on broken America to destroy this sentinel threat. 
And um, the survive, there's some mutants still surviving. They realize this. And so as the story goes, the future version of Kitty Pride, which is one of the X-Men who can like phase through things. She's one of the younger X-Men, much older in 2013. She travels backwards in time to 1980 with the aim of stopping Mystique, who is a shape-shifting mutant, from assassinating a presidential candidate named Robert Kelly, um, an action that the future has figured out is what sets their whole future in motion. It's it's always hung over the series because there's no real way to know if how the story wraps up alters the future events. So there's this unnerving story kind of hanging there that this could still come to pass. Yeah, It's an apocalypse aimed at class struggle. You know, in this case, it's a, it's, it's a feared reaction to the mutants that prods the government into building these robots. And, and, and that's kind of frightening when you look at like our current administration and its need to pin the horrors on other countries. Trump the other day called this a Chinese virus. Oh, I, trying know. To build, I know. Building up this sense of an exterior threat based on differences. And I mean, we've had concentration camps in this country before. We have designated people by different titles before. And that might happen again. And I think the storyline has always been kind of tinged in my mind with that idea being kind of the fall, ultimately being the nation's falling. Ultimately, this nation will fall apart because of one of these choices and the rest of the world will have enough of us and just want to destroy us. And, and that, that aspect of the story, that future aspect has always kind of been the beating, has always beat in my head as, yeah, when the apocalypse comes, we're going to have it coming. Is kind of my feeling like we right. I, it's horrible to say we deserve it but it's an apocalypse of our own making you know we slipped up we got greedy i say we being the american power whatever is in power i don't mean to be identifying with that but i don't know there's something within the days of future past story that is just saying you know humanity is responsible for its own demise and i don't know that that i think plays into apocalyptic stories for me most they're get, cautionary tales yeah do you get that vibe in our day-to-day today? I mean, I'd be saddened if people I knew were killed by the virus. I'm saddened by the fear of that virus. But but also, again, the, the feeling that, well, at least that's nature. What I fear is the human element in that. The human cause for it getting out of control. And then ultimately the human response. How humanity is going to deal with this. Is it going to enact martial law? Is it going to enact these weird concentration quarantine spots i mean it's probably not going to build giant towering robots to hunt down people with a cough but i mean that again that's kind of looking the apocalypse isn't the end of everything in that story but it is sort of the change yeah and that's i mean that's on my mind now that's a fear of mine now and that's something i've heard a lot of people say or, or or write about is that nothing will be the same again mm-hmm and that's that's even if everything goes well here, you know. So imagine if it doesn't um, if it doesn't go well, if we can't get control of this, um, to to think that nothing will be the same again, and that this we're living in the the point of no return, the point where everything changes is is kind of unnerving. We've done it before. I mean, it's happened before. Do you remember True. when New York was attacked? Do you remember when the Pentagon was attacked? Those were also... And there was a lot of nothing will ever be the same again. Exactly. And, and it eventually got back to some sort of normalcy. But it's not the same again. It's, no, a, it's, it's what I they mean, call the new normalcy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's shaking. And it took a while. And it didn't happen for everyone that way. And this right. is the same thing. Right. You know, the, the sweeping out of controlness of this 
mimics in a lot of ways the decisions that probably led to the attacks on New York. I'm not saying that this nation's the only guilty thing in the world, but also the response to that was a tragic downward spiral as well. And you know, I, I forget that the the whole point of apocalypse isn't always the like people are very happy to tell you, you know, it actually doesn't mean the end of the world. It means an unveiling of knowledge, a reveal of secret knowledge or something. And so that ties into this idea of a big change. But I don't know. I feel like a lot of this pop culture is prepping me for, yeah, two different extremes. You know, Night of the Comet, they very much hold on to the lifestyles they want in this new world. Days of Future Past, 12 Monkeys. We're, we're, we're giving up what we had. It's all a memory. You know, it's like that photo that's carried around in the Terminator. This is done. It's funny because it's like you mentioned Terminator, 12 Monkeys, Days of Future Past. They all involve time travel, you know. So it's all like you're saying, it's all looking back. And here's the memory of what was. <laughs> and it's all trying to change it. And all trying to change it, too. Yeah. And we don't and really have that luxury yeah. in the real world. So I get why that comes up in the fiction, because that allows the world we have now to continue. Right. Do you have any other examples that you wanted to bring up? I mean, those were really the ones I, I came with. Um, obviously, Planet of the Apes was another one I was thinking about. Um, but but uh, yeah, I, I kept going back to 12 Monkeys just because I just, you know, just like we used to do uh, when we lived together in that basement apartment and we were like trying to write our own real life sitcom. I feel like in a lot of ways, my head is writing its own 12 Monkeys right now. I'm in that, that moment where I'm going to suddenly run into uh, uh, James Cole trying to track down, you know, a, a plane to China so he can put the, put an end to all of this. But, uh, yeah, it's it's strange. Is it bad? Is it dangerous? Like, if you had access to 12 Monkeys, I know you said you didn't. Do you think you would have watched, watched it? it? Yeah, I would have watched 12 Monkeys. Um, maybe because it's more of a fantasy film with the time travel. But I wouldn't, I, I was saying, I can't remember if I said this um, when we started the show or before, um, I wouldn't watch Contagion right now. I don't think I want to watch Outbreak. Um, I don't want to watch anything that's got a a real reality to it, you know, uh, where, you know, somebody had posted um, a still of Sanjay Gupta from CNN, and I couldn't tell, and they couldn't tell, was this the scene from Contagion, or is this what's happening right now? <laughs> because he guessed it in Contagion. So that's those are the kind of movies I'm avoiding, but I, I would have watched 12 Monkeys. I might still try and watch 12 Monkeys. Haven't seen that in a while. But if they're reflecting, if, if something like Contagion, I know it's a this century movie, but um, something like Outbreak, if it's reflecting a real world event and response, why avoid it? I mean, you're not avoiding the news, I imagine. You're watching the news maybe more than you should. Yeah, I'm trying to avoid. Um, I don't know because... I and I can't remember the ending to Contagion, but I let's go outbreak wanna... then because again it's more relevant to the time. <laughs> okay, we'll we say outbreak. I want to hold on to some hope, and I guess outbreak gives us a little bit of hope because they 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 find a a, 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 a vaccine in the end. They contain it. They don't blow up a town. So yeah, I, I guess I could watch that. Um. And see if we can find our COVID-19 monkey. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think it's really important to experiment and toy with these sort of themes and these sort of reactions and these sort of fears. I mean, I think I think that's why people use them. I mean, I think when you look at a lot of apocalypses in the 80s, they involve nuclear holocaust because that was a very real world fear. Had someone foolishly launched some missiles, I don't know if that fiction would still exist. So I, maybe, maybe because we're in the heat of one of these plagues, one of these viral infections, one, one of these things that would be part of an apocalyptic story, maybe that just makes that particular story harder to read but these other metaphors of it you know our giant robots or our comet in the sky it's telling some of the same story but it's doing it with a fantastical bent i don't i don't know i i I think they're still unnerving but it's like i maybe i want to be unnerved maybe that's okay it's 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 a way of experiencing these fears without necessarily having to I don't know. It's a way of experiencing them in the context of a film. It's a block of time. It's dealing it with a story, even if the outcome is horrible, dealing it with characters and seeing an outcome gives you a way to work through some feelings. Right now, we're in a holding pattern. We don't know what's coming next. It's the unknown. It's a huge unknown. We don't know virally. We don't know if if we're going to catch it. We don't know what the world is, how it's going to work, where jobs, all sorts of things are so uncertain that to even follow a downer of a story to its completion at least gives us practice in dealing what it's like. And I, I, I think that's, I, I think that's a, an important way of dealing with some emotions right now. It's not the only way and too much of it would be damaging, but no, I, I, I do think watching some of these and embracing some of these is a way to, and it's not solving, it's not feeling better. It's just a way to, to feel these feelings that we're going to feel. I get, th- I get that. I understand that. I think for me, I'd rather not experience it in the film and watch it to the end and turn off the TV, at least not right now, and turn off the TV and, and, or, or turn off the the movie and have the TV come on and it's the news kind of sharing the same story I just watched. Um, so for me, it's not really an escape. I get your point about uh, at least you, you have an ending there where we don't have an ending now. Um, but it's not really the escapism I want right now. The apocalypse movies for me were entertaining before and they may be entertaining again but they're not what i'm drawn to again i think i might be able to watch uh, 12 monkeys because it's got a different uh aspect to it but really like i was saying before i'd much rather just sit down and watch four episodes new girl and uh and forget this whole thing is happening for a little while Hmm. well i'm glad it was the topic of the episode for tonight then it needed to be how can we not? It, it's it's not something we can avoid. Um, we were gonna well, we were gonna talk about uh, Happy Days, uh, uh, Laverne and Shirley, the you know, spin-off spin-off television of the seventies. Blatsky's Beauties is that what it was called? Blatsky's Beauties, that one with an angel. Yeah. Well, listeners, you could have had that, <laughs> but instead you got this. But it won't be the only thing we talk about. There'll be other topics. There'll be other things. There'll be maybe cheerier, more upbeat. Uh, things to speak of in the future and if you're curious about those if you'd like to maybe hear those why don't you go over and visit n-a-h 
AllPods.com. What? That's a totally different that's website than I normally That's not the address, Tim. That's hard for me to remember. What was that again? That's a different web address, NAHPods.com. It stands for Not a Hologram, pods being for podca- podcasts. And that's the new homepage for uh, 20th Century Pop. I'm starting a network. I'm starting a network of shows. And the first one is the, is the one that Bob and I are doing and have been doing for three years. So you can find 20th Century Pop at NAHPods.com. You can also still find it at 20podcast.com. But uh, you can go there. You can click on the link for the show. The most recent episode is always right up there streaming for you to listen to. There are also links to all of our past episodes. So you can hear any of those that you would like. Um, And also while you're on that page, if you haven't already, I'd encourage you to click on one of the links and subscribe. Subscribe to uh, 20th Century Pop on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, on Spotify, Stitcher, whatever way it is you get your podcast that that way you'll never miss a show we do it every week every other week is a new episode and the alternate weeks are bonus or, 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 or rerun episodes but check us out there check out the website there'll be some a lot more new things and information that we'll talk about in the coming weeks coming there soon uh, you can follow us on instagram and also on twitter both at 20 popcast and then if you're curious about bob on the digital age so, uh, here here he goes here he's gonna say something yeah, I'll say something. Yeah, check out the new uh, nahpods.com. It's pretty awesome. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff there. Um, you can follow me at uh, on Twitter at rh canning. Um, what are your apocalyptic movies? What do you want to watch during this uh, um, self-imposed isolation? Um, Apocalypse or uh, Laverne and Shirley? I want to know. What are you doing? Those are your only options, but yeah. yeah, we'd like to know. One of those two. All right. Thanks, Tim, for giving me for- that moment. Oh, <laughs> everyone Everyone needs their Laverne and Shirley moment. Glad yeah. you got yours. Um, thanks for doing this today, people. Thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, you don't need a, a little rinky-dink podcast show to tell you, be careful, to tell you what to do. So um, this won't be the only thing we talk about. But it just, it, yeah, it came up today. It's on our minds today, and hopefully going forward, maybe we will provide insight into other things, other things to talk about, and I'm sure we'll touch back and touch base on this again, because it's horrifying. It's scary out there right now, but it can't be the only thing that we talk about. That said, hope you enjoyed that episode that was all uh, about it. I don't know. How's that? That's, That's perfect. Okay. Poop fart joke. Incorporated. We're gonna do